The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another edition of the NBA Today. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me at CorbinNBA. Please, please do. You know I need those followers, people. I'm sorry. Shameless plug for at least the first 15, 20 episodes, and then I will stop. You have my word. All right, so kind of a quick show today. Tonight, I'm recording this uh, on March 4th. Uh, You'll be listening to this on Thursday, March the 5th. Kind of run through some games that happened. I know I said we're not going to do like a daily recap show, and we're not. Uh, this is just going to be highlighting some of the games that were played this past night with some stats on some of the plays that I've enjoyed watching that happened to play tonight. So it'll all work out. It'll come together. Let's get to it. But before we start, first, 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 I do want to say, please, my good people, especially you good wager folk, you, when you wager, please wager with mybookie.ag. Please, mybookie.ag, a proud partner of all hoopball podcasts, which would include this one. Use promo code TODAY when signing up to get a 50% deposit match. That is promo code TODAY, as in NBA Today, the show. Use that for that 50% deposit match. Again, it's mybookie.ag. That is mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. All right, so we do got one piece of that fresh, fresh news to share. And, yeah, I'm just using that first. The the fresh, fresh news uh, segment is going to be... Uh, cleaned up a little bit. But for now, it's only one piece. So I'm going to get right to it. And that is the news that Steph Curry is back. By the time you're listening to this, of course, I already said that'll be today, March 5th, you'll know that he'll be playing tonight against the Raptors. Curry's played four games this season before breaking his hand against Phoenix and was averaging 20 points, five rebounds, and six assists, but shooting just 24% from three. Okay, that was obviously a joke, uh, you know, with the small sample size and all. Anyways, it'll be good to have him back. The league is just better for when the stars are healthy. And I, for one, am excited to see how the Warriors look with Steph Curry back alongside Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. It's really the foundation for what that team will be next year. You'll have Klay Thompson back. I assume that Marquise Chris will have earned that center spot or is playing his way into that. And there you have, what, three of the four players or four of the five players, if you look at it that way, for next season. And you're really building the team around it for them. So that'll be interesting to see. All starts tonight against the Raptors. Also, you know, I said one piece of news, but we got another piece actually kind of breaking. Houston Rockets brought in free agent forward Luke Abamute for a workout today. Remember, he last played in the NBA during that 2018-2019 uh, season uh, due to injury. So he's been out for a while, but apparently he's trying out. He was a Rocket, if you remember, when they all made it to that one game before the NBA Finals or one game away from the NBA Finals back in uh, 2018. So this is cool to see. Uh, I guess they want to shore up that wing depth. I mean, they have been for a workout. It works. I mean, I'm not sure if what does that mean for, you know, uh, Damari Carroll and Jeff Green. Are they just trying to add more people to it? That's just interesting either way. So we'll see. But now I'll get to what basically is the meat of the show. It was a nice six-game Wednesday night slate for the NBA. Had a couple good games. A couple of great performances. Uh, one that I am just happy to touch on is the Cleveland Cavs. And I know, I mean, it hasn't really been a lot to be excited about with them over this year. What with the dysfunction and John Beeline being coach and then quitting his coach and Kevin Love not being traded. I kind of went through just a few of them. Um, you can keep going. But tonight, Colin Sexton was the man for the Cavs. Now, mind you, the Celtics were undermanned uh, severely, but you did have Colin go off 
literally for 41 points on 50% shooting, six three rebounds and six assists. Now this second straight game, he's picked up a career high. And mind you, the Cavs were scrappy in this game. They played really, really well. Um, like I said, this is again against the Celtics team that was missing a few of their big guns. So take that, you know, with a grain of salt. But for the Cavs to be playing that well, putting up the fight that they did, really good. Only lost by six. Tatum and Smart were the only ones who played. Um, as far as the big four, four, the Celtics, Jalen Brown was out. Um, Kemba Walker was out. Gordon Hayward was out. But like I said, on that Cleveland side, Colin just was on fire. Kevin Love, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. Larry Nance, 19 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists. Chetty Osmond played well. I watched most of this game, and he knocked down a couple of clutch threes at times. Uh, Matthew Delvadova, uh, actually, funnily enough, didn't score, missed every one of his eight shot attempts, but had five rebounds, four assists, and he had some hustle plays in this game too. And it's not like the Cavs are playing with a full roster and we're talking about one of the worst teams in the league already, but Andre Drummond didn't play. Ante Z just still around. Kevin Porter Jr. only played nine minutes. These guys, the top five for the Cavs, Chetty Osmond, Larry Nance, Kevin Love, Con Sexton, Matthew Dovadova, all played 35 minutes or more. So they were getting the most of the run of this game. Boston played well. Um, they got the win, so obviously that shows. But Jason Tatum with 32 Nine and six again, just continuing strong play there. Marcus Smart, 18 points, uh, two rebounds, two assists, good play there. And then Ennis Cantor came off the bench for a double double, so that was pretty solid. But had to give a shout out to the Cavs because it's not been the best of seasons. I do or am interested in seeing how they look this offseason. You know, whether they are able to offload, offload Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson will be off the books. How is that going to look? Are they going to continue to build around this backcourt? Is one of those pieces of that backcourt going to have to be sacrificed? I'm talking between uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, with Colin Sexton being probably more of the, uh, what would be the word there? More of a logical choice, I guess. If you, It feels like it'd be easier to build around Darius Garland than around Colin Sexton, since he's like a shooting guard in a point guard body, but not really a distributor in that sense. So that's something to evaluate but in the meantime I mean again when they're playing well and get good games like this it's something encouraging to kind of pick up and keep going and especially for a young team like the Cavs you know can't beat that alright so second game that I watched that I really enjoyed was the Timberwolves being the Bulls 115-108 again just like that it just like the last game the Cavs Celtics it wasn't like a great game but I was intrigued by the Timberwolves I liked the way that they have been playing just recently uh it's night and day since the trade deadline, just with the way that they've built their team. Obviously, taking D'Angelo Russell, getting Malik Beasley and Wancho Herman Gomez, and shooting a lot more threes this season. But one guy that's been really, really good for them that's kind of been under the radar was, uh, or is, their point guard Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah, he's been a, a, a pretty good bright spot for them lately. I mean, he's had a great run of really good stat lines. First game after the trade was a win against the Clippers. He made 11 of 15 shots, dished off 11 assists. Then he had the win against Miami. He had the game-winning bucket over Bam Adebayo, and that was his fourth of five, four made out of five attempts that night. Tuesday, he again only misses one shot, gets six assists. I mean, he's been doing really well. And then, when you have D'Angelo Russell, when you have Malik Beasley and Wacho Hernan Gomez, all those acquisitions from the trade deadline, when they're all shooting combined 43.9 from deep, like, that's pretty good. And it's not like they're not bombing them up. So, credit to that. But McLaughlin has just been amazing. He's been playing 21 minutes a night since the trade deadline, including all of the seven losses they've had. He shot 62% from two-point range, 51% from deep, putting out just under five assists a game. I mean, the team's performed better when he plays. 
and that's really good to have someone as a backup point guard behind D'Angelo Russell. And speaking of that, in their win against the Bulls uh, last night, McLaughlin had 10 points, 7 assists, 5 of 10 shooting. Pretty efficient. D'Angelo Russell played okay. 19 points, plus 23. Only 3 rebounds, 4 assists. Malik Beasley have been very impressed by. Tonight, in 34 minutes, he had 24 points, 8 out of 14 from the field, knocked down 4 threes. He has been on an absolute tear since coming to Minnesota. Really makes you wonder if the Nuggets possibly, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but possibly got rid of the wrong guy. Because since Malik's been to the Wolves, he's averaging 23 points a game, 5 rebounds, 47% from the field, 43% from 3, 80% from the line. He's been explosive. Just assertive offensively. The shooting guard that the Timberwolves have kind of lacked for a while now. So that, that, that's that been pretty exciting to see. And I'm not going to lie. Defensively, yeah, the Timberwolves aren't great. And by aren't great, I mean they're pretty bad. But you have center Nas Reed, who I had not even heard of before this year. He had a double-double with 16 points, 11 rebounds. He's been all over. Can stretch it out to the three ball a little bit. Knock down all three of his threes uh, last night. Wancho's been playing well. Josh Koji's doing his thing. James Johnson's been nice since leaving Miami. Just saying, like, you know, his his numbers aren't super, super great in this game. He had eight points, four rebounds, and five assists. But he's been playing really well and gives him a nice look at small ball center. So that's another another intriguing team. Again, looking more to this for next year in terms of how they build around a healthy Carlton Towns and we'll see what happens in the draft and whatnot. But this is another team that, okay, can't play for right now. The future is not, you know, currently the playoffs for these guys. <laughs> Between the Cavs and the Timberwolves, maybe not for a couple of years, but at least you have the foundations and the making of a really strong team coming up, and that's really, really good. All right, the third team, got to mention, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they played in the Dallas Mavericks last night. They lost by four. Slowly, I'm not trying to be the bear bad news, but it doesn't look like we're going to get that Pelicans-Lakers uh, playoff matchup as the Grizzlies have been winning their games pretty well, and the Pelicans have gone on a bit of a slide. But Zion played well. First time he's played a back-to-back, 21-6-3. Uh, and three. Not too bad, 9-18 shooting. Uh, Brandon Ingram, again, is playing strong as before. My favorite ex-Laker here. <laughs> 27 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. It's been, it's been solid for them. Lonzo Ball, I mean, he's becoming, I think, what the Lakers are hoping they were getting the first two years, which then again shows that you know, with young players, give them a little bit of time, and maybe they'll kind of develop and, and, and show what we all thought they had from college. I mean, it's not that hard, but I see the Lakers are on an accelerated timetable. They don't regret the AD trade at all, so that's not bad. But 25 points, 7 threes, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and this isn't something that's just started. He's been playing really, really well for the year. Double figures, first time in his career, averaging 12 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, shooting 40% from the field, 37% from three. That's not bad. Not bad. Okay, actually, no, he's not averaging double figures for the first time in his career. For his career, he's averaging 10 points a game. But I'm just saying in general, like, he's bumped it up a little bit, looks a lot more assertive offensively. That jump shot looks better, but he's still taking it um, a lot more than he did. He used to be able, especially last year, he, he was kind of taking it. If he was off, he would be less assertive as far as getting that shot off, but it's working now. Uh, but honestly, all anyone's going to remember from that Mavericks uh, Pelicans matchup with Luka Doncic just crossing up Drew Holiday, which one rarely happens. Drew Holiday is an excellent defender, but two, it was the way that it happened. Like he, he definitely got crossed up. It wasn't a push off. It wasn't him slipping on his shoe. It wasn't what happened last year when Lance Stevenson, I think, stepped on uh, Jeff Green's shoe and like 
made the crossover look a lot more worse than it was. Now, this was clean. Luka Doncic went left to right, behind the back, stop start, and by that time he was done with all that, Drew Holiday went to the left, went to the right, came back, and then he set up, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Max Kleber for a wide open three, but Kleber missed it. And, I mean, quick aside, if you do a monster crossover on somebody, right, or someone makes an amazing move that gets you to drop, if the shot doesn't go down, most of that is invalid to me. I kind of think that's a rule. I think I remember Jason Williams in that, like, I forgot, it was all-rookie all game or whatever, when he did that um, elbow pass. People forget that Rafe LaFrenz missed that shot or got fouled on the shot. The reason why, in my opinion, is just because of how great the pass was. But if it was like a regular season game or something, yeah, it looked good, but, like, the finish is what cements the whole thing. You do a mean crossover, you miss the jumper, mm, not great. Mean crossover, miss a layup, mm, it's kind of even worse. So, you know, this is my opinion. Max Kleber got to be better than that, but it was nasty. And Luka, for his part, in 40 minutes, had a triple-double and a monster one at that. 30 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. Just, ah, crazy. Seth Curry's been playing well. He had 21 points, knocked down six threes. He's been the better Curry this season, and I know it's kind of unfair to Steph because he was injured, but it's the truth, so <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, man, I definitely going into this year thought, okay, he'd be a perfect tag team partner for Luka, and then as the season started going along, I was like, okay, it's Luka as the Batman, and Kristaps is Robin. But lately, while Luka was getting his footing, and now as we kind of get the season to, you know, to a crescendo here, Porzingis has been playing very well, very well. He had a monster game. There wasn't really anyone in the Pelican squad who could guard him from inside or out. Shot, what, 28 attempts? Made half of those. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. Monster night for Porzingis. And like you said, when you have him and Luka Doncic going on together, uh, anything else you get from others is gravy. And with Tim Hardaway having 18, that's pretty good. I already mentioned Seth Crane is 21. Michael Kigiru just got off the bench for a minute. Not bad. It was good. These are just some random thoughts on these teams. Like I said, most of them, including the Pelicans, just not their year this year. And that's fine. You know, it's not it's not an issue. But um I do think that uh <laughs> I do think that when you're watching these games now, especially for teams that okay, are either A hitting the tank or B looking more to the future, which is the political way of saying exactly what I just said. You're looking at the young players and the guys who get their minutes to see, okay, what pieces do we have now that we can use to build upon for next year? What positive signs can we take away from this moment right here to say, okay, hey, we're getting better. The Suns is here. Okay, not making the playoffs more than likely. But you could say, okay, when they're healthy, they had the makings of a great team. When they did play, and even shorthanded, it wasn't like the straight embarrassments they were getting years before. They were coming up pretty well. They matched up evenly at the end of the day. That's why you play the games. But you could take that with them and go, okay, this is what we need for Devin Booker here, here, here. And this is what we can do to get better. And then build on that. That's how that whole thing should work. So, you know, it's great. Also, I mentioned the Timberwolves. Another random point about them. Jared Culver has shot 35 three-point attempts in the trade deadline. He's made 43% of them. So, that's someone else who's on fire. All right, so, quick thing I have to mention. Um, I will be doing this new segment coming up probably over the next couple of shows might start next week haven't really figured it out just yet but basically like regular season autopsies and that's for the teams that we know are not making the playoffs and at this point we have more than enough that i can kind of get into uh in depth with some of these teams but basically saying okay what can we pick away from teams that are going into the offseason or know that they aren't going to make the playoffs you know i mean what can we take that is positive what's a negative okay maybe they had you had teams like I can't even think right now. Let's say the Timberwolves, who were hopeful that they would 
you know, have a, a squad that could kind of be competitive and make the playoffs. Or the Suns, after a promising start. What led to that not coming to fruition? Anyway, it's a new segment I'm excited about. Kind of see how we can develop it. Maybe do a couple teams at a time. Maybe get some guests on. That would be awesome. And figure out how that would work. But to, you know, flesh out a little bit. Kind of reset some of these teams. And on this show, again, we're doing daily recap games. That's something that's definitely happening. Uh, we're going to do news, obviously. I'm excited to unveil more segments as we go along here. But also, let's take time to kind of look at some teams a little bit, you know? That's kind of where we're all in as NBA fans, taking that time together. And so, I think that is something that I can't wait to get started on, doing some research, digging deep, and uh, hopefully having that conversation. All right, so I do want to take a moment to shout out Hoop Ball, Hoop Dash Ball, where this, uh, hoop-ball.com, but Hoopball is where you're getting this podcast and many others. We have a whole line of them. You have the Clippers podcast, the Lakers podcast, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Nets cast. You have the Cousin Brew show, NBA Today. This is mine. Box score breakdown. You got a new betting show. Can't forget DFS Today or Fantasy NBA Today. They have all of that there for you. They have the Game Time Premium Package, which is produced by Aaron Bruski. You got Dan Brespris on it. You have a lot of people, and they give you add and drop advice, pre and post game coverage rankings projections uh you get to interact directly with hb experts and that is awesome looking at the website right now and as you can go down you see the fantasy news which is the latest it's already put up you have the articles and podcasts linked uh you can even sign up for the bruise letter which is by our founding father aaron bruski over eight thousand words this past newsletter breaking down every team from fantasy's perspective talking about his favorite team the you know Sacramento Kings <laughs> but breaking them down as well a lot of content comes to your inbox every Monday so definitely make sure to check that out it's a really good resource especially if you're into fantasy basketball I am I'm not great at it but I'm in it but especially if you're someone who aspires to win the upcoming playoff series that should be here in just over a weekend change uh that is something that you would definitely need to see all right so what am I watching well tonight there's gonna be a big big slate of games uh I'm just going to run through all of them right now here for you. Well, actually, it's a it's a four-game spot. But you got Nuggets, Hornets, Clippers, Rockets, 76ers, Kings, and Raptors versus Warriors. For me, it's definitely Clippers, Rockets. Uh, cannot wait to see how that matchup goes. It'll be the fourth meeting between those two. Now, at this point, the Clippers have the edge 2-1. to one, But Paul George missed two of those games. The Rockets did not have their small ball lineup together yet. Um, the Rockets have won three of their past four matches against the Clippers, and they're averaging 120 points in their past 18 games. Um, in all 13 games, of course, without their traditional center. And when they score at least 120 points, they're 24-3. and three. All right, so, I mean, we've already talked about the Rockets, but here's some more little stats here for you. Since they went to that small ball lineup, they're averaging league-high 18 three-pointers a game, and they're, that, they're, they're averaging league-high 18 three-pointers a game, and they had been averaging 15. So it jumped up a little bit. And then three-point shooting has also jumped up as well from 34% to 36. All right, only problem is since going without a center. Um, oh, another thing, since going without a center, they've scored the fourth, fourth most points off turnovers. As soon as they get a turnover, they're running. But they rank 28th in second chance points allowed, which makes sense because, I mean, it's not like they can kind of close them out with rebounding, giving away a lot of offensive rebounds. But the Clippers side, they're in close games, tough. Their league best 8-1 and one in games decided by 3 points or less. They're 5th in offensive and defensive rating, which makes them one of 3 teams with the Bucks and the Lakers in the top 5 of both. And they average 12, point, 12 threes a game. So, they're in the middle of the pack. 
they're 12 and one they make when they make at least 15 so that is definitely a swing stat when Pat Bev is knocking down some threes when Kawhi's three ball is going down you know Paul George gonna get it up when his jumpers going down that looks good uh speaking of Paul George and Kawhi uh the Clippers are the only team in the NBA with four players averaging at least 18 points a game two of them averaging over 20 Kawhi averages 27 points Paul George 21 Lou Williams and Montrez average exactly around 18 um, and then Harold and Williams are third and fourth in the bench, scoring off the bench. But the problem with the Clippers that make them dangerous is, one, I think they are the best team equipped to play small ball with the Rockets. I definitely do think that. I think in two of the victories that the Rockets had over the Clippers, Clint Capella was a big part of that. He was the one guy that you really, really didn't have answers for because I love Vicha Zubac, but he can get in foul trouble very easily. And Montrezl Harrell can be overwhelmed by centers who are bigger and play more physical than he does. That's just a fact. So, you know, not having that gives Harold more room to run. And I don't see anyone personnel-wise on the Rockets who can match up with Harold now. Because I definitely think he can overpower Jeff Green and, and Damari Carroll. I don't see that being an issue at all. He's definitely bigger than James Harden as far as playing, you know, with his size. And while Russell's scrappy, I think he gets that too. And he's going to make his presence felt a lot more than he did. Clint Capella was great on the boards and was holding himself up defensively on switches against Kawhi uh, that it wasn't as big a deal. And now you do have the small lineup, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Rockets hold up. Now, do I think that the Clippers are going to have any easier time stopping James Harden or stopping Russell Westbrook? No, I don't. But I do think it'll be harder for the Rockets to stop the Clippers because coming off the bench now, you have Reggie Jackson. You have the inclusion of Marcus Morris. You still have Landry Shamit. We haven't even mentioned Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell in addition to Paul George and Kawhi. So that's a lot of offensive firepower. And the Rockets have been pretty stout. But you are asking P.J. Tucker to do a whole lot. You're asking Robert Covington to do a whole lot. And, I mean, they've been great. Great rim protectors. Covington's been scooping up blocks like some just top elite big man. But that's a lot. In between the switches and everything, I definitely think it will make good, fun basketball. Styles make fights. I think the Clippers have a similar style. They don't get the shots up just as much as the Clip as the Rockets do. But I think the way that they do it is enough that's going to be interesting. And that's the game of the night. I think bar none, most eyes would be glued to that one. And with good reason. It, it, it should be a very interesting game. Um, another game, though, that, you know, kind of a sleeper pick. Nuggets Hornets. I think they should be fun. Although everyone's going to be having watching Raptors versus Warriors. And I understand that because it is... Steph Curry coming back on TNT for a finals rematch against the Raptors. Two totally different teams um, in totally different directions right now, but that'll definitely bring eyes. But I like the Nuggets Hornets. I do. Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets have been playing decent basketball. The Hornets are riding a three-game losing streak, but they're trying to get back. You know, they had a crushing loss to the Spurs on a comeback from San Antonio. And, you know, in their last game against the Nuggets, they played all right. But they have to make sure they're knocking down high percentage shots. You know, poor shooting hurt the Hornets in the first game. It usually will hurt teams. Newsflash. Poor shooting usually hurts them. But I think when Charlotte makes their shots, they got to force the Nuggets to take, you know, more challenging shots themselves. Nuggets right now currently have the seventh-ranked team in field goal percentage with 47% per game. So Hornets got to stop that. But I like to see Devontae Graham versus Jamal Murray. How are the Hornets going to stop... How the owner's gonna stop any of the nug of the Nuggets rotation big men? I mean, I'm not even mentioning Nicole Jokic, but Jeremy Grant. It, it should be interesting. Maybe I'm just into the Hornets a little too much, and that actually would probably be the first team I break down as far as the regular season autopsies. But that'll be one that I'm excited to get to. 
All right, so, you know, I'm going to give you more tomorrow, make up for the shorter episode today. Apologize, y'all. It's going to get better. But that will conclude it here for NBA Today. Again, follow me at CorbinNBA. Follow HoopBall at HoopBallTweets. This was a short and sweet episode. Like I said, we'll have a lot more uh, jam-packed goodness for you in the next one that will come your way tomorrow. So take care. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.